I'm a kingdom man. And, uh, and so I do think a little bit outside of the box. And, uh, and, and what, what, what I believe everybody's, uh, Christian mission is simply to release the kingdom of God over all the earth. And, and, and I think that when I look at our nation today, right? And, and not just our nation, because in our blessed city, the wonderful city of Lafayette, Louisiana, we might scratch our head and, and, and say, what in the world is going on? Now, for a long time, you, you know, most Christians, if you if you're seasoned in grace, everybody, if you've been around for a little while, then, then you at some point you read the scripture, you read the you read the last book. You know how this thing's all going to end. Right. So when you start talking about the last days for you, it gets a little exciting. But when Hollywood gets a hold of that. Right. The movie industry gets a hold of that. Then all of a sudden you start talking about how's this thing all going to end? I mean, are we living in the last days? And then all of a sudden it, it can become like scary. And before you know it, you're watching the, 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 the television series called Doomsday Preppers. How many how many preppers we got here? Don't lie. Y'all in, y'all in the house of God this, tonight. Don't, don't lie. Right. Before you know it. You start doing things that you would never think you'd possibly ever entertain. And, 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 and because you're thinking, you look at the nation and you say, oh my goodness, I, I mean, I watched the newscasts and, and with all the things that are happening around the world, I mean, I, I believe that one of the most appropriate questions that we ought, that people are asking themselves right now is this question. I, I mean, are we living in the last days. I mean, there's famines, there's uh, earthquakes. I mean, the Ebola virus, you know, trying to get contained uh, j- just last uh, last winter. I, I mean, you think about planes are just falling out of the skies. Like civilian planes. You know what I mean? Like like people shooting them down. I mean, terrorists like crashing them. All and, and you just start scratching your head, you start thinking about the civil and the, the social unrest all over our planet. I mean, from Hong Kong to Ferguson, Missouri, to New York, to most recently Baltimore, Maryland, which is where it becomes very personal for me because that's where my, my son and my daughter-in-law and our, our three-year-old grandbaby live. <laughs> my, my, my son texted me when, when all the riots was taking place at Baltimore. He said, Papa, can you please pray for my city? Let me tell you what I, what I text him. And then let me tell you what I, what I, what I wanted to text him. Can, can I tell you that? So I text him back. I said, I pray the Lord protect my son, my, 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 my daughter-in-law and my grandbaby in Jesus name. <laughs> you guys say that's pretty cold, but it's, it's not cold. When, when you consider the, the alternative. The alternative that I wanted to tax him was, I pray Jesus tell you to get your butt out of, out of, out of Baltimore today and come back to the blessed city called Lafayette. You know what I mean? I mean, that's what I really wanted to tell him. Get, get, get that blessed assurance out of there. But, but, but honestly, I mean, you look all over and you begin scratching your head and you think, Oh my God. I, I mean, there's radical Islamic jihad being waged, holy war being waged all over the world. I, I, I mean, I, I mean, these guys are beheading innocent people. I mean, on September 20, the 24th, I received an email from a missionary asking me to please pray because ISIS was going from village to village in northern Iraq. 
and they were they were marking people's houses and, and you, you know like with the the sign like you're not you're a Christian or you're not you're you're with us or you're not and they were they were killing entire families now all of that you didn't see on the news I, I mean that, I, I got the word from a missionary that they were they were killing little babies kids because they refused to renounce their faith in Christ. I'm thinking if we had that kind of faith in America, we might, we might see some revival around here. You know what I'm, anybody, anybody with me today, right? And, and, and so, I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist or a theologian. It, it doesn't take Joyce Myers or T.D. Jakes to break this down for you. It doesn't take Dr. David Jeremiah to prophetically, you know, kind of outline the scriptures for, I mean, when you ask the question, you say, which, if this ain't the last days, it sure kind of looks like it, right? I want to, I hope tonight to answer that question for you. Because that's the question that we're asking. Are we living in the last days? Can you show me some body language? Like, is that your question? You want me to try to answer that question? Right. Can you show me some body language? Why don't you shake your neighbor a little bit and say, I, I really want him to answer that question. Pastor Bob, can you tell me what, what do you think? Let me, let, let me give you a little background, a little biblical background. Right. One out of the, the 30, one out of every 30 verses in the Bible speaks about the return of Christ, not the coming of Christ, not Jesus, baby Jesus, crucified Jesus but resurrected Jesus returning. One out of every 30 verses in the Bible speaks about the return of Christ. As a matter of fact, in the 216 chapters of the New Testament, there are over 300 references to the return of Christ. 23 out of the 27 New Testament books it, it, uh, uh, the New Testament books talk about Jesus, Jesus' return. Now, 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 here's the deal, right? I probably got about 38 minutes left tonight. I can't go over all of these passages of, of Scripture to talk about that. But what I do want to do is, I, I, if I can just narrow it down a bit to what I believe is most important or what is most applicable, uh, applicable, I think you can leave the house of God tonight with at least a sense of better direction. Does that make sense, right? Here's the picture that I see because I, you know, here's the real question. When people say, so hey, do you think we're living in the last days? Let me tell you what they're really asking. Are you, are you ready? What they're really asking is, how much time do I have left? I mean, if Jesus is returning at the midnight hour, Right. So if if 12 o'clock is the return, then what they're really asking is Jesus coming back at 1115 or is he coming back? Watch this at 1155. That's what they really that's what they're really asking. Why? Can I tell you why? Because if he's coming at 1115, I'm going to live different than if, if, if it's 1125. If it's if it's 1115, I still got some time left. I still got some things I can do I, the way I think. And, and, but, but if it's 1155 or if it's 1158, then the way that I live begins to change. Does that make sense, everybody? Right. <laughs> I, I, I read this story about uh, uh, Pastor Boudreaux and Thibodeau. So they, they, they Boudreaux and Thibodeau, they, they passed the churches right across the street from each other. Now, 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 Boudreaux, he had in his, in his you know, his church sign, right? In the, in the front of the church, he had a sign that said, turn yourself around before it's too late. 
Then Thibodeau had on his church sign, it read something like this. The end is near. That was their sign. One Sunday after church, right, everybody was kind of, they were shaking hands and whatnot, and, 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 and everybody had left. And so Boudreaux crossed over to talk to Thibodeau, and he said, Thibodeau, how was service today? And they were just talking, downloading, everybody had left. Then all of a sudden, a car comes screaming through, 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 through Main Street right there, right? Full of, full of young people, full of vinegar, man. The windows are rolled down, they're smoking the vehicle, they're yelling. And, and as they drive by Boudreaux and Thibodeau, they look at him and they say, you bunch of re- religious freaks, y'all crazy, y'all don't know nothing. You know, I mean, they were just, just having, you know, a crazy time. They turn around the corner on two wheels, man. You heard all that squealing. Then all of a sudden you heard him step on the gas. And then you heard... They, they hit the brake, and then you heard this big crash. Right? Thibodeau turned to Boudreaux. He said, my Boudreaux, you think that we should change that sign to say the bridge is out? <laughs> now, that's funny, no matter, no matter whether you laughed or not. I thought that was funny, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so here's the question, right? The question is, are we, are we, I know, why did I do that? I think I just lost the anointing. <laughs> the, the question, the question that we're asking is this question, right? Are we living in the last days? Now, 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 here's how Jesus responds to this question because the question that we're asking is not a new question. This is a question that the disciples were asking. I mean, even before the disciples were asking the question, they were asking the question. And the, so, so the disciples come to Jesus, and as a matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 3, if you take your notes, uh, the scripture says this, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, right? They, they wanted that, 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 that little nestled, hey, okay, can you just download on me? Quit, quit telling me stories, just tell me, I want to know, is it 11.15 or 11.55? Can you tell me when it's going to happen? And so they say, tell us. They said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Now, here's what, if if you continue to read Matthew 24, this is what you'll find out. Jesus never answers the when. But what he does answer is the question about the signs. What will be the signs, the telltale signs that that the end is near? And so if you ask me the question, hey, Bobby, would you tell me, man, do you think that we're living in the last? I, I mean, the best that I can read, when I look at the signs, I'm telling you, I believe yes and amen. We're living in the last days. But you might say, but, but Bobby, every generation before us has thought certainly these are the last days. Didn't the apostle Paul talk like when he lived, like Jesus was coming back in that generation? And, and I mean, Paul thought he was coming back and he didn't come. Right. I'm sure if there are some World War II veterans around here or, or folk that maybe that were children during that time that 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 Hitler was 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 running around like a madman and Stalin and 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 and, and, and you know the the big three up there the the, the Italian mafia guy and and, and I, I'm, I'm sure that during World War II people all thought Hitler was the Antichrist and this certainly 
is the end, right? So again, you, you might say, well, every generation thought that. And I would say, yes, it's true. But then again, uh, can, can, I, can, I, can I say this? There are some pretty unique signs that were not fulfilled during that time that are, are being fulfilled or have been, been fulfilled and are being fulfilled right now in our, in our generation, in our time, right? And let, me, let me give you an example, right? Back then, there was no way that, uh, if you remember in the, in the, in the book of Revelation, the scripture says that, that, that the, there are going to be two witnesses of God. And they're going to be standing in a courtyard. And they're going to be telling people about the Antichrist, forewarned and all that stuff. Don't, don't, don't bow down to this guy. And they're going to kill him. But th- then they're going to be raised, like they're going to be resurrected from the dead right there. And, and the scripture says the whole world would, is going to see that. Well, back in, in the day, I, I mean, in World War II, you, you couldn't see that. But now you, now you can see that. I mean, with, with satellite technology, we broadcast a news, I, I, I mean, from all the way across the world. Things are a little bit different right now. Now, another thing, Jesus said before the end would come, right, that the gospel must be preached to every nation. As a matter of fact, that word in Greek nation is ethnos, which means to every ethnicity. There are 190 nations throughout the world. Now, 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 so, so it's not just every nation, but every ethnicity or every people group. As a matter of fact, in China, China is considered to be what? One nation, right? But there are 56 different people groups in China. Well, well you would say, well, has the gospel reached all of them? Well, uh, you know, 10, 20 years ago, let me tell you what was happening. We had to send a missionary. We had to smuggle Bibles into China and we had to open up Bible, little Bible colleges, whatnot, and Bible schools, right, to, to train and equip pastors, et cetera, et cetera. But now, uh, you, you know, how many of you guys have smartphones? You pull that thing out. I mean, right now you got a whole Bible college in the palm of your hand, smartphone. Well, so now because of technology, things are rather unique. It's totally different than what generation, where generations were in the past, right? Let me tell you what I think is the most important thing for you to first understand. And that is simply this. Though no one knows the exact time that Jesus will return, we do know that his return is imminent. That word imminent means he don't ask. Listen, God the Father don't have to ask anybody permission. It could happen at any moment. As a matter of fact, at any moment, the domino, the first domino in a chain domino effect, right? The first domino could be pushed and within 30 seconds, all the signs are fulfilled. Click, just like that. Just like that. I mean, so, so I think it's important that, that we understand this and that we don't get weary thinking, well, everybody thought that Jesus was coming and he's still not here. Let, let me read a passage of scripture. This is out of second Peter. The third chapter, verses 3 through 10, here's what uh, Peter wrote. And Peter said, first of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffering and following their own evil desires. And they will say, where is this coming that he promised? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. In other words, there's nothing different. Everything looks the same. But, Peter goes on to say, but they deliberately forget. Do you see that word? 
they deliberately forget that not long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water, right? In, in, in other words, God just picked a day and said, let it be, and it was. Nothing had to happen. He just spoke it, and it was. As a matter of fact, the scripture goes on and says, by these waters also the world, uh, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed in a moment, just like that. By the same word, that the present heavens and the earth are reserved for, and by the same word, the, the present heavens and the earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment, of destruction for ungodly men. Now watch this. But do not forget this one thing. Dear friends, my name is Bobby, and I'm your friend. Peter is being your what? Friend. Now when a friend says, hey, don't forget this, you might not want to forget it. What did he say? He says this, right? He, he goes on and he says this, right? Uh, uh, what was that? Destruction. Mm, right, right. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. As a matter of fact, Jewish scholars believe that this reference of a thousand is referring to the seven days of creation. Each day equaling a millennium, right? So a thousand years. So even the Jewish scholars would say, right now we're anticipating Christ's return at any moment, right? Scripture goes on and says, and the Lord is slow in keeping his promise, is not slow, I'm sorry, is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness, but he is patient with you. Why? Not wanting that any would perish, but that everyone would come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, meaning nobody knows the exact moment. So you better be ready. You don't know when it's going to happen, but you might want to be ready. Do you see the picture, right? And, and, and the heavens will disappear in a roar, and the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Let, 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 me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me paint you a picture of how I see this thing, right? So, so God the Father stands on the threshold of eternity in heaven, right? In the third heavens where, he, where heaven is his throne, earth being his foot. So he looks over the threshold of heaven of eternity, looks at the earth, right? And he observes everything that's going on. So that's God the Father. And here's Jesus, right? Our Savior, Redeemer, right? And Jesus is walking all over because he, he, he wants to return to get his bride. And so he's pacing all of, all of heaven, looking over the threshold, and he keeps asking the, the question, hey, Dad, can I go now? Father, can I go now? Can I go get my bride? Yeah, it's, I think she's ready. I'm, Dad, can I go, Dad? Can I go, Dad? My, my son, my, my, my second son got married this, uh, this Saturday. He was ready to get married. Right? He, he wanted that ring. Like he, she's mine. It's over. You know, what would Jesus all the same, I believe, is racing in heaven, looking over the threshold of heaven, asking God the Father, Hey, Dad, can I go now? Can I go get my bride? Can I go get her dad? And here's God the Father. I think he just puts his hand on Jesus' chest and says, son, not now. You see Mary down there? She's not saved yet. I don't want her to perish. Hold on, son. You see, you, you see Jonathan over there? I, I, I know it looks like he's a mess but I want him to get saved. 
And I'm already working. The Holy Ghost is working a little deal right there. And, and, and before, w- w- watch this, son. Somebody's going to go witness to him. They're going to tell him about you. Watch, watch, watch. Hold on, son. I believe that's the picture in heaven. Why does God prolong his coming? Because he's not willing that any would perish. But he wants everybody to come to everlasting life. Do you see the picture? Do you see it clearly, right? Let me give you three signs really quick that Jesus notes in Matthew 24 that are prevalent. Three signs that are prevalent today in the culture that we live in right here in America. That, that we are living in the last days. Here's the first sign if you're taking notes. The first sign that Jesus' return is real near is that people will be distracted with life. Look with me at Matthew chapter 24, verse 37 through verse 39. As it was written, as it is written, as it, uh, Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For the days before the flood, uh, uh, in the days before the flood, the people were eating and drinking and they were marrying and they were, they were given in marriage up to the day that Noah entered an ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them away. You see, let me tell you what I believe. I believe so many people are so consumed with trying to prepare uh, to live this life that they never really live at all. I mean, all of their energy is devoted to, to, to school and to, to getting that next job promotion and that, and maybe moving up in this life or, or maybe finding that, you know, that someone that's going to sweep me off my feet. I mean, their whole life and thought life is consumed with that, that they never really live. That, do you see the picture? I mean, they're so consumed with present realities that they rarely ever tap into eternal realities. And so this is what I see. I see instead of parents raising their children in the love and the admonition of the Lord, I see children training their parents on how to be great uh, uh, on the extreme importance of baseball and how to be great soccer parents and how to be great beauty pageant moms and dads. That's what I see. And dance recitals. People running all over the place, chasing like that. So consumed with this life. Number two, let me give you a second sign, right? A second sign uh, uh, that we're living in the last days is people, Jesus said, people will forget about God. They'll forget about it. As a matter of fact, verse 12 says this, because the increase of wickedness, Jesus said, the love of most will grow cold. Now, let me tell you who he was talking about. He was talking about people who were believers. I don't know if you know, interesting statistic, but in the builder's generation, that that that, that 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 consists of those that were born in 1927 to 1945. The builder generation, 65% of those born in that era, right, uh, believed were Bible-based believers. In other words, they believed that the Bible was the infallible, authoritative, corrective word of God right? The rule of instruction for all life and godliness. 65% of, of, of Americans believe that in that generation. Well, the next generation is the boomer generation. So if you were born between 1946 and 1964, right? You're part of your generation, uh, consisted of only 35% of your generation believe that the Bible was the rule and standard for, for conduct and, and, and holy life. Now, if, if you're part of my generation, which is the buster generation, if you were born between 1965 and 1983, then you know uh, you, you're, you're in a smaller 
category, a smaller demographic, because statistics say only 16% believe that. Now, if you're part of the, 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 uh, uh, the, the, the Bridger or the millennial generation, so if you were born uh, 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 in 1984 to present, did you know that there's only, the, of that generation, only 4% believe that the Bible is inspired by God and has the authority to direct our life? Now, let, 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 let me tell you why the importance of this, right? If America looks like what it does today, when really it, it's the, you know, it's the 35% generation that are the, the, the great leaders, the, the chief influencers. I mean, if America looks like what America looks like today, when only 35% of its, its prime leadership believe that the Bible is inspired by God and the rule for human conduct, can you imagine what America is going to look like when the 4% is governing it? I'm talking to you. Are you guys okay? This isn't too heavy, huh? Do I need to tell you some more bujo and typical jokes? It's just a sign. It's just a sign. Let me give you a third sign, right? Here's the third sign. The third sign is that people will not be ready. And, and, the, and the Christians, they know about this. You've heard about this. I mean, this is, this is not the first time you've heard anybody preach about Jesus coming back. But yet, they, they just would not be ready. As a matter of fact, uh, verse 40 through first, verse 42, Jesus said this. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. And two women will be grinding at the handmill, and one will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch. In other words, be ready. Don't be rocked to sleep by some sort of satanic lullaby, right? Or, you know, a song of secular humanism that says every, everybody's going to be okay. This is an amoral generation, right? We, we, we can determine what's right and wrong amongst us for us and for me. It's just how it works. Because you do not know, Jesus said, the day that the Lord will come. As a matter of fact, uh, 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 Paul said this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 2. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the light. Now, all of that information to bring you really to this point. I'm, I'm going to give you some practicals as, practical steps how we're going to live this out, right? How to be ready. I'm, 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 I'm going to give you that. But, but if, if I could just anchor this message tonight. If there's something I need you to hear, I need you to hear this. Right? Because all of this stuff is, is great. I mean, if you're in the Bible trivia, it's all good information. But, but I believe the, 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 the right question isn't, are we living in the last days? But, but I believe the more important question to ask, you know, isn't what time is it? I believe the more important question to ask is, what should I be doing with the time I have left? We're asking the wrong question. Do you see the picture? Are you guys all right? I, I mean, I mean, while the Bible doesn't say any, listen to me, while the Bible doesn't say anything about the exact time that Jesus will return, let me tell you something, it is loaded with thoughts about what you should be doing right now to prepare for him coming back. And, and that's from the Old Testament to the New Testament. I, my wife and I, we were up in Baltimore early or, you know, early spring, the tail end of winter, and uh, 
uh, we, we'd done a conference there with some pastors and some friends. And so, so we, we swung by Baltimore. We got to, got to hang out with my son, my daughter-in-law, all, all those guys. And, and I was telling my, telling my son, like, what, really what was, Papa, what, what, what is the Lord speaking to you? I said, I said, brother, God's telling me we're living in the last days. And I don't know if the church is ready. I, I, I'm talking about my church. You guys are, right? <laughs> but but I'm, as a pastor, I'm asking myself the, the question. Are my people ready? Are they? Re- and so, so I was having this conversation with them. And, and, and so re- really, you know, uh, I, I, I told my son, I, I, he said, so Pop, what do you think? What, what, should, what should we do? And, and this really birthed the message. And, and this is what I told him. I said, I said, Nick, listen to me. The end is coming and there is nothing anybody can do to stop it. Nothing, right? <laughs> but I did tell Nick this. I said, while there's nothing anybody can do to stop it, listen, there are things that Christians can do to speed it along, to hurry it up. Because the Bible does address that. As a matter of fact, the scripture says, well, well, what can we do? Well, we can pray, right? Even so, the, the spirit and the bride say, come, Lord Jesus, come. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that we, this gospel got to be preached to all the ethnicities. You got neighbors, you got co-workers. That need to hear your story. You, you ain't got to preach like this, or thank God you don't have to preach like that, right? Because they won't listen to you. But what I'm saying is, all, all you got tell them your story. Looking for look, look for that opportunity. I, I, I mean, so I'm not talking about preaching, but but share your faith, an encouraging word. Those are things that we could we could be doing. So 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 the question really, let, let me let me let me give you something to, to walk this out. What should you might be asking? So Pastor Bobby, what should I be doing? Well, the Bible says in First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32, that the sons of Issachar, they were men that understood the times and what Israel should do in the time. Pray for that anointing. I, I, I hope you can receive this right now, because let me tell you what I think we ought to be doing, because Peter addressed this in First Peter chapter four. Peter said this in verse seven, the end of all things is near. Therefore, he said, what should I be doing? Number one, I should be thinking clearly. And when I say thinking clearly, what I mean by that is I should be thinking on things that are eternal. Things that are of this world are really cloudy. As a matter of fact, Peter said this in uh, verse 7 of 1 Peter chapter 4. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can know how to pray. Be clear-minded. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul said this in Philippians chapter 3. He said, for I, I've told you often before, and I say it again, now with tears in my eyes, that, that there are many whose conduct shows that they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. And they're headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things. And they think only about this life here on earth. Right? So you... You, 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 your thought life is cloudy. But then uh, Paul goes on and says, says this, but we, somebody say I, 
Somebody say us. <laughs> but we are citizens of heaven. In other words, we're eternal thinkers where the Lord lives and we're eagerly awaiting for him to return as our savior. And we take on and he will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into the glorious bodies of his own. That's what we're looking for. That's what we're thinking about using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. That's how I'm thinking. I ain't scared about that. I get excited. What do you mean? I ain't got to pay a mortgage? No. <laughs> Are you serious? Mm. <laughs> I'm all about it. I don't have to pay the restaurant for that fast soup I'm going to eat. What? I get it for free. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay, let me stop. I need to stop. I'm running out of time. What should I be doing? Number two, I should be focusing on relationships. So number one, I should be thinking clearly. Number two, I should be focusing on relationships. Verse 8 of 1 Peter 4, above all, Peter said, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Now, now we're Cajuns. We, we, we don't have that problem, right? Right? right. So what should I be doing? Let me tell you what I should be doing. Listen, instead of me focusing my mind on profits or, you know, how much money I'm going to make or, or about production or about, you know, what I'm producing about uh, or about promotion or even about politics, I should be focusing and thinking about people. That's why I'm running for office. Because I believe that, that the kingdom must be released in the governing bodies all across America. I believe that in Jesus' name. A voice of wisdom. A voice that thinks with an eternal perspective. A voice that filters every, every, I mean, every proclamation, every, every new ordinance, every new policy. All of a sudden, it is being filtered through that which is eternal. That which is true. It's being filtered with a, with, 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 with a, with a, with, with discerning eyes that say, hey, what, what's the spirit that's attached to this thing? With wisdom that sort of telltales, where does it take us? Does it take us closer to Christ or away? You with me? That's what I believe. So what should I be doing? Number three, let me tell you what, what I should be doing, what you should be doing. You and I should be making a difference. Right. I I believe this is the best time to be alive. I mean, in the last 12 to 15 years, millions of Muslims have come to Christ. I mean, more in the last 15 years than all that's recorded in history up to up to the last 15 years. Revival taking place all over the world. Right. In fact, first Peter, chapter four says this verse 10 and 11. Each one of us should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in various form. If anyone speaks, he should do so as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Christ. So what should I be doing? Because the scripture says I should be making a difference. If I want to make a difference, I got to do so. By accessing a grace, a supernatural grace from heaven. Can I get the musicians to come or maybe Shane or whomever? Uh, you guys don't know. I know Shane. I knew, Shane was playing piano when he was 13 in a youth group at First Assembly of God when I went to church way back when. Isn't he a great guy? Come on, man. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me wrap this thing up. So what should I be doing? What should I do? Let me tell you what you should do. 
you should receive God's grace. As a matter of fact, uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 11 says this, Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people you ought to be? And, and, and then verse, verses 12 through 18, I'm just going to summarize it, goes on to say, say, says this, You should be a kind of, the kind of people that continue to grow in God's grace. Well, I can't handle that right now. It's too much on my plate. Right? No. We should be the kind of people that are growing in grace. Why? Because the Bible says where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. Anybody in here could think, can think maybe, maybe I got some family that could use a little more grace. Be introduced to grace. And number five, and I wrap this up, right? Because Peter said, the end of all things is near. Therefore, he said this. This is what you and I should be doing. And that is, I should be taking hold of eternal life. This is what he said in 1 Timothy chapter uh, 6, verse 12. Take hold of what? Eternal life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now, today, is the day of what? Salvation. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 6 through 7. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way. And the evil man, his thoughts, let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will freely pardon. What should I be doing? I should be taking hold of eternal life. Now watch this and I'll close with this. Psalms chapter 90, verse 12. The psalmist, the same, the same one that said, bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Oh, my soul. Wrote this and he said, Teach us, O Lord, to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. Here's the reality. You and I are living in the dash, the dash between the day you were born and the day I say we should be laying hold of eternal life. Thinking about eternal things. God, how can I make a difference? How can I access the grace of heaven to make a difference? Amen? Amen. Every head bowed, every head closed. I just want to pray for you tonight. if, If this is a subject matter that puts a little fear in you, that maybe we need to get some hard things right. Maybe we need to make some adjustments in our life. See, the Bible says, ungodly fear bears with it this torment. But perfect love, it casts out all fear. It eradicates it from your life. I'm here to introduce to you today some good news. This whole message was good news. I, I, I came and I had to tell you, yes, Jesus is coming back and he's coming back soon. And I'm excited about it. So don't be thinking about what time is it? Be focused on God. What should I be doing with my life right now? And if the question in your heart says, God, I'm, I'm a little uncertain about what I'm doing now and 
whether or not it's the right thing that I should be doing, why don't you table that before the Lord? I mean, maybe you're living in a relationship that's an ungodly relationship. Maybe you're not in a right relationship at all with Christ. I don't have to tell you what sin is. You already know it. I mean, the most simple biblical definition of sin is this. It's in the Bible, by the way. To know to do right and not do it is sin. If that's you, would you just pray with this, pray this simple prayer with me tonight? Pray it out loud. Pray it with all of your heart. Say, dear Jesus, today I give you my life. Forgive me. I've been focused on the wrong thing. But today, I make a commitment to surrendering all to you, everything. So Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Let me pray for everybody else right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking you. Why don't you stand on your feet? I want to bless you. Why don't you come, Pastor? You can come, Pastor. Let me bless you. I just want to... I want to throw some inertin on you. I'm running for city council, and the reason why is because I really believe that we're living in the last days. And, and you know, the Bible says in the last days that unless God would spare the elect, the deception would be so great that even the most anointed prophets in the earth, the greatest preachers, the greatest theologians, the greatest pastors, the greatest evangelists, the the Reinhardt Buckies, the Billy Grahams, even they would be deceived. That's how great a deception sweeps across the whole earth. And I want to release some anointing on your life that you would see clearly that a spirit of discernment would possess your mind, man. That you would see with great clarity all the things that are happening in the li- in, in, in life and be able to separate. No, this is God. This is not. And that, that, that you would embrace the opportunities that Christ puts before you to make a difference in such a time as this. I believe kingdom living says that God's voice must be released in every major arena of influence. So if you're a businessman, you're in the business world, God's voice needs to be released there. We need, how many guys know we need men of integrity in the business world, right? I mean, if you're in the medical profession, or maybe the media, or maybe in entertainment, or maybe in medicine, maybe in education, maybe in ministry, seven major influences and yes even government and the guy's behind me right now works he works for Lafayette Consolidated Government all of us wherever we go our mission is to release the voice of God to release kingdom in the arena that God has placed us in can I just bless you tonight can I can, why don't you go ahead and lift your hands up before the Lord let me, let me just ask God to anoint you tonight Father in the name of Jesus Freely I've received, freely I give. I release, Lord God, anointing for clarity. That in places in their in, in people's minds today that are here tonight, that there's it's, it's been cloudy. 
It's been foggy. God, would you just evaporate the fog? God, would you just, just blow a wind from heaven and, 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 and remove, remove the, the, the cloud of confusion? God, shine a light in dim places, even in their hearts, that they would be able to discern what is truth and what is a lie. And Father, I pray today that that grace, that gift of grace, that anointing for such a time as this to make a difference in this world, God, would be released upon their life. That, Father, they would tap into that. That they would know it clearly. That during this time, this would be times of great joy and rejoicing, even in the face of all the bad news on TV. So, Father, I bless them today that the amazing grace of Jesus and the extravagant love of the Father and the intimate friendship of the Holy Ghost be theirs in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for the opportunity.